0: Hey, welcome everyone. I'm Don Newton, host of Open Air on KPOV 889 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing Wednesdays at 5 p.m., Open Air is a weekly one hour entertainment talk show featuring conversations with authors, local youth, entertainers, sports figures, and more. She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Open Air with Don Newton. Hey, welcome everyone. This is Open Air, and I'm your host, Don Newton. Here in Bend, Oregon, we have the honor and the privilege to be home to the Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. The Central Oregon Veterans Ranch operates a 19-acre working farm here in Bend and engages hundreds of veterans of different ages and eras in peer support and agricultural-related activities. For the past decade, COVR has built community and camaraderie among veterans in Central Oregon and around the state. My guest today is Allison Perry. She is the founder and executive director of Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. She's a licensed professional counselor and military family member with an interest in developmental trauma, specifically combat trauma across the lifespan she began working with veterans in 2005 two years after her brother deployed for the invasion of Iraq as an Apache helicopter pilot Allison has worked with veterans for over 15 years in government private and nonprofit settings including six years with the Department of Veterans Affairs as a trauma therapist and contracting officer representative Allison left the VA in 2012 to pursue her vision of a place where veterans could work on the land sleep under the stars and be in a community of other veterans she founded Central Oregon Veterans in 2014 and has led the organization since. Allison Perry, it's great to speak with you. You are the founder and executive director for Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: I really wanted to talk to you about the ranch, how this got started, your role in it, you know, kind of unpack that. How did this get started?
1: Sure. So I usually introduce myself first and foremost as a military family member, uh, which is really the inspiration for what has become a vocation in working with veterans. Uh, My brother deployed for the invasion of Iraq in 2003 as an attack helicopter pilot, and we're just 13 months apart. We're very, very close Um, and actually kind of went through some trauma in our own childhood, so had a very, very strong bond. And so that was sort of a turning point for me that, that made me want to work with veterans and their families. And I worked for six years within the Department of Veterans Affairs as a trauma therapist. So developed a passion for combat trauma specifically across the lifespan. So what does combat trauma look like for somebody who's 22 or 42, 62, 92, etc., and had a case that was really uh, the inspiration for Central Oregon Veterans Ranch right before transferring from the Portland VA Medical Center in Portland, Oregon, to Central Oregon, to a smaller rural clinic. And it was a young man. He was 22 years old. He was an Oregon National Guard veteran. He had basically been signed up uh, by his parents as soon as he turned 18. He was from a very uh, dysfunctional family, very broken family, and went to combat, came home from combat, was drugged and sexually assaulted by his combat buddy, the one person in the world he trusted and was starting to have emerging symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. I ended up working pretty closely with this veteran. He had dropped out of care several times, and I was able to form a a therapeutic relationship with him. He struggled so much, just as you can imagine, with everything he'd been through, he struggled just with managing his life. And I got a call one day that he had ended up in the psychiatric ward, the lockdown unit, and that he was throwing furniture and threatening My first response was just anger because I thought if I'd been through everything that veteran had been through, I might be reacting the same way, you know, to have doctors poking and prodding you and and diagnosing you and and being locked up, honestly, Dawn, in a a fluorescent white-walled room. It just hit me in a flash uh, that this was not only not therapeutic, but that he was actually being re-traumatized. And I looked at a colleague of mine and I said, I wish we had a sheep ranch out east where we could send these vets when they got home, where they could work on the land, sleep under the stars, and be in a community of other veterans. And so that was kind of the underpinning of how this came about, you know, evolving out of a medical model into a more holistic approach to working with veterans.
0: You know, and you mentioned trauma. A lot of times, I don't know that we realize whether um, military or just living our day-to-day life how much trauma we have endured, but we don't know that that's what it is, that is the basis for a lot of our behaviors. Mm -hmm. And even that word trauma sometimes is scary for us, because like, what do you mean I had trauma? I just had people in my life that weren't nice or good or, (laughs) you know, we just, we kind of downplay it or dismiss it, but I don't think we quite understand the depth of that word.
1: Absolutely. And one of my favorite definitions of trauma is anything that overwhelms your ability to cope. And uh, I had a friend who used to say, well, gosh, that could be anything. How, how, can, that, how can you discriminate against what's real trauma? But really, if you think about it, um, and, and, and one of my passions is developmental trauma and looking at um, human stages of development um, and one of the associated developmental tasks, the work of um, Eric Erickson, who observed children for many, many years, Um, and people at different stages of life. And what's fascinating is we can look at those different developmental stages and the associated developmental path and the implications of someone having traumatic experiences. And what's fascinating is that the earlier uh, the trauma is endured, the the, the more profound the impact, particularly in the first few years of life, we've been talking about the potential for attachment disorders or personality disorders that really... Form the structure of the personality and the human being's identity. But some of the most traumatized veterans I worked with were ones who often had childhood trauma as a veteran, I mentioned earlier, and then were sent by the military to war or, or experienced other types of traumatic events in the military, which I think um, there are many things that I think the general public doesn't really consider when we look at how people can experience trauma in the military.
0: How is that veteran doing today?
1: You know, it, it, I love that you asked that question because I went to visit him in the psychiatric ward before I transferred from Portland to Bend. And I said, because of my profession and my code of ethics, I can't contact you to see how you're doing, but you can contact me anytime. So literally about a year after I'd moved and been working at the Bend Clinic, I got a call from him and he said, "Miss Perry, I you said I could call you anytime and I just wanted to let you know that I'm doing well. I have an apartment. I have a part-time job. And it was just, it was the first message I got like at eight o'clock in the morning when I came into the clinic. And and I had a pretty grueling routine at that time uh, in the, in the VA clinic. And it, it just, it just warmed my heart. I just can't describe it. It was like incredible, you know, to, to, and and it shows to me, Dawn, how relationship is so key in healing. And that's, such a part of the Veterans Ranch is community. It's really, you know, we just had an article published with the Natural Resource Conservation Service, and the title of the article was Getting Back to Basics. And I feel like in a world that's being taken over by technology and, you know, less and less humanizing with, with um, our, our healthcare care system. And, you know, I was just traveling, and in the airport, I went to buy water, and the woman was like, oh, you can check out with the machine over there. You know, it, it, we're we're getting more and more disconnected from community and and tangible experiences of of each other and and of nature and of human connection. And that's so much what the veterans' ranch is about: is getting veterans out of isolation, getting in, them into a community of safety where they can easily build trust with peers, people with shared lived experience, and be outside, be out, you know, and be growing and caring for things, tending uh plants and growing their own food and interacting with animals and it's a it it is quite a beautiful uh setting and a and a beautiful model. I mean of course I'm a little biased but that's the feedback I get too. <laughs>
0: When well, I was reading to you in 2007 that you transferred to the Ben VA
1: Clinic, is that when the ranch started? Oh, absolutely not. No, good question. That is when the vision, I say, kind of struck me like a lightning bolt. And then it kind of receded into the background a little bit because I got so consumed with just surviving uh, the onslaught of working in a rural clinic with very, very few resources. Very different than working in a big medical center in an urban area. But what was interesting is when I moved and I ended up taking over four PTSD groups from a psychologist who was dying of cancer. And they were mostly Vietnam veterans. One group was 20 guys. There were even a few Korean and World War II veterans in those groups. And what I observed there was, I, it felt like a spiritual experience, honestly. It was quite challenging. But I saw the, the power of connection, the power of community, the power of peers especially for our Vietnam vets who had um, really been in survival mode, many of them for 40 years or more, you know, not speaking about Vietnam at all after coming home. At that time, I was working so closely with that um, era of veterans that I started to get really interested, based on things I was hearing them say, on their stage of life, which was getting closer to end of life. Um, And that sort of became... I I'd had this vision of what I was calling a PTSD ranch, you know, of getting veterans outside and out in nature and working with animals and community. And then on my experience, you know, based on my experience working with these older veterans, I've, I became very passionate about end-of-life care. Say, hearing them say things like, when I die, I don't want to be around anyone, not even my own family the only other people I'd want to be around are other veterans or something I found fascinating. They would say, I want to be like the native Americans and go off into the woods and die alone. And so, you know, another very specific subject matter for another episode, perhaps, but it, I I began, I to do some work in the community with other nonprofits and hospice chaplains and, and hospice workers and learn more and also experts on veterans at end of life. And so, ended up integrating a component of the ranch that we have yet to launch, but it's a program we're really focused on right now, which is specialized end of life care for combat veterans. And I kind of think of the ranch in three pillars, peer support, agriculture, and end of life care. So that's so it was an evolution and I left the VA in twenty twelve and took a few other career steps to help prepare me to to pursue starting a nonprofit
0: that's a lot of heavy but incredibly important component to the ranch that that end of life care
1: it's it's such a niche and it's it's so important. And I feel blessed that I've, that I've been exposed to that niche. And um, I feel like after the work I've done with veterans of all ages, that what I've seen is that those wounds of war do not go away. And I think that no matter our background, our political persuasion, our opinion about any particular war, many people will say that we haven't had a just war since World War II. And I tend to agree with that, you know, and it's, it's very complicated, though, that our veterans are not the one, they're not at fault for serving in the military or for going to war. There's many, many different reasons why people join the military, but the reality is that they bear the burden of serving. A military is, is necessary for many reasons, and so I, I believe so strongly that it's our duty to care for these veterans until the very end because they have lost so much, many of them, not just from experiencing trauma, but what that implies about their whole life and how it affects their entire life. You
0: know, on the on the website on the front page, it says a working ranch that restores purpose and spirit to veterans of all ages and eras. I can only imagine what those conversations are like. I'd love to sit and listen to an older veteran speaking to a younger veteran. I, it's mm-hmm. almost like they're seeing each other,
1: past and future. Absolutely, and um, we have a veteran who's actually um, been a board member who was a Vietnam vet and really, really quiet person um, who's been involved with the ranch now really since 2015 and had never been involved in any other veterans organizations, counseling, anything like that, never talked about Vietnam. And his way of healing, and he will say that the ranch was, has been his therapy, has been his healing. It has just been through his participation, time, talent, and treasure. But I remember some of the younger vets, they just looked up to him so much because of his role in Vietnam and his experiences. And one day I left the ranch and a couple of the younger vets were standing in the driveway talking with him. And they'd been there for a while. And I left and they were there for a while after I left. And what I heard later on was that he shared with them that it had taken him almost 10 years after Vietnam to readjust to society. And, you know, granted our veterans now, There's we have the awareness and the services we have really because of the Vietnam vets, because there was an outcry on from them over time about, you know, what not having support does for someone when they come home from war. But those kinds of interactions, that kind of validation, that kind of support, that kind of insight for our younger generations from those older veterans is, is, is so precious.
0: So Allison, talk to you about the ranch. Who who lives at the ranch or how does the ranch function on a day-to-day basis?
1: So right now we don't have residents. We we anticipate having residents in the next year or so when we launch the specialized end-of-life care program. What we have is different types of agriculture programs, workshops. Some of them are weekly like bee. we have bees, so bee tutorials. We have a hydroponic greenhouse business so we have classes and education and volunteer opportunities in that we sell all of our lettuce locally at local markets Newport market and and their other two chain um, stores we have chickens bees we now have two pigs with their therapy pigs and <laughs> sheep and so and so the agriculture is really a, a means of getting veterans engaged it's a I, I call it a, a vehicle like it, because there's so much stigma around asking for help or getting help. And so this is really a non-stigmatizing way to engage veterans. And so there's workshops and classes and multiple volunteer opportunities because, as you can imagine, working a 19-acre farm with all those animals, there's quite a bit to do. And that's part of the motivation, and veterans end up feeling a sense of value and worth and being a part of the community by their participation. We also have uh, different types of groups. And last year we are very excited to get awarded a contract through Oregon Health Authority to hire a veteran peer support specialist but we had already through volunteers been doing peer support groups so we're expanding some of those peer support groups and it's one-on-one support as well as groups and then that peer support really happens in both structured and unstructured ways just by virtue of people being in community and we also partner with a lot of different community organizations and agencies the vet center does has been doing ptsd groups their support groups out at the ranch uh, since the pandemic hit so that's that's kind of the activity that's going on there now until we launch that final program with end-of-life care.
0: Now is, it, is it something that's open to the public that, that the public can come by, the community can, anytime, or how does that work, the
1: interaction? That's a fantastic question. I'm glad you asked because it's a really critical aspect of our program and of our environment. It's pretty much a closed environment for veterans for the reason of creating safety and a felt sense of uh, community and trust and belonging for veterans. So we, we, we also don't have so, – so we sort of integrate civilians in different ways. We don't have children out during the week for very um, similar reasons around creating safety. Uh, we have a family day on Saturdays because we do want veterans and veteran families to be able to come out and enjoy the environment, the animals, and the farm. But many of our veterans are combat veterans who have had horrendous trauma that involves children, which is one of the worst types of combat trauma and moral injury that occurs. It's just incredibly painful. And so children can often be a trigger. So we do have a designated time for children and families to come out on the weekends, on Saturday. The ranch, because of that protected environment, often becomes a stepping stone for our veterans to heal and sort of regroup and then step out into the broader community. And that's something that we've seen pretty consistently um, is that by virtue of that kind of participating in that closed community, that safety, that peer group, it often gives veterans the confidence and the support uh, that they need to go back out into the broader community.
0: Allison, what does this work mean to you?
1: Mm, great question. I. I used the word vocation earlier, um, so this is a this has been a labor of love to found and develop this organization. We just had our seven year birthday. Um, it's a profound spiritual experience for me. I, we have some testimonial videos on our website, and one of our veterans said, "The ranch has a way of bringing your soul back," and it, it, it's it's humbling and gratifying to be able to make an impact people who have um, suffered so much, who have endured really some unspeakable types of trauma ranging from combat to sexual assault, you know, to lifelong physical injuries. Um, It is just a profound honor for me to be able to do this kind of work.
0: And what can we as a community, what needs are still there or ongoing that the community can help with?
1: I think um, in terms of just technically, you know, for us, if you look at our website, we have a needs list. We have, you know, we are, we're a farm. We have ongoing needs, um, and we, we, we provide home-cooked meals for our veterans every Thursday. We have a big work day, and, um, and also, you know, things like water, power bars, all that kind of stuff. But really, it's, it's spreading the word, and it's also, if you know a veteran, um, it doesn't matter where. It could be anywhere in the country, because... We do have a plan to scale. We have veterans in other states that are interested right now in Washington State and Tennessee and starting veterans' ranches. So spreading the word and especially making referrals if you, you know of a veteran of any age that that might be struggling, that's hesitant to go to traditional types of services. Um, and just staying tuned, signing up our newsletters, staying aware, and also I think You know, sometimes it's helpful for people to really take a deeper dive to educate themselves. And and that's what shows like yours do. You know, they give people some more information and awareness about some of these issues that might not be top of mind for us.
0: I appreciate this time to speak with you and bring the word out, the attention, the awareness. Where can we go for more information?
1: You can go to our website, which is covranch.org. Again, that's covranch.org. Um, You can also give us a call if you like. Uh, All that information is on our website. Um, You can email us through the website. You can sign up for our newsletter. We have a Facebook page as well and Instagram, uh, Central Oregon Veterans Ranch. But all of that can be accessed also through our website.
0: Well, again, Allison, I appreciate this time and this work. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
0: Open Air is written, produced, and hosted by Dawn News. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.